You're listening to episode 2.26 of the Midlife Improvement Project, and on this week's episode, I'm chatting with Amanda Thebe. She is the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Menopocalypse, How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause, and How You Can Too. Let's go. Welcome to the Midlife Improvement Project, a podcast about what really matters as you negotiate midlife. Some might call this time of life a crisis, but I want to introduce you to the idea that it's an awakening. This is the time to listen to your soul, to find your purpose, to reflect on what you really want to do and be in the days you have left here on planet Earth, and then write your own midlife manifesto. You are not less of yourself on the other side of midlife. You are more. This is a time to be celebrated, not tolerated. I'm your midlife wake-up coach, Dr. Peggy Malone. I am a healthcare provider turned life coach who helps women in midlife lean into the magic of being a woman as we head into the second half. I help you to decide where you want to go next with this one precious life and really claim all of your big dreams and goals while caring less about what anyone else thinks about it. After all, if someone is going to be unhappy with your life, it shouldn't be you. In a few short months, I will turn 50, and as I head toward this milestone birthday, I want to use this podcast as my midlife manifesto. There will be no fading into the background and quietly living out my golden years with the assumption that my best years are behind me over here. I'm just getting started. I invite you to come with me. Listen in each week as I help you to wake up to what's possible for you in midlife as you learn to manage your mind, get curious about what got you here, and get clear about where you want to go next on the way to being an even better you. Let's get after it. Amanda Thebe is a fitness and women's health expert. She is the author of the Amazon bestselling book, Menopocalypse, How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause and How You Can Too. With nearly 30 years of experience in the fitness industry, Amanda is a highly regarded expert on women's fitness and health. She is the co-founder and chief wellness and branding officer at Naya Health, a complete healthcare solution for menopausal women in Canada, launching in late 2023. She is Canada's first menopause workplace educator. Through menopause advocacy and education, Amanda provides on-site or virtual presentations in the workplace to improve productivity, retention, and attendance for female employees, helping companies to normalize the conversation around menopause and provide support which impacts 100% of their female employees. Amanda has lived in the UK, Canada, and the USA and has been exposed to all the healthcare systems. Her book is a bestseller in these countries. She is a popular guest on podcasts, radio, TV, and online summits, and she brings a refreshing humor and no-nonsense approach to subjects usually shrouded in shame. Through her frank articles, hilarious social media posts, and inspirational and entertaining talks, Amanda continually inspires the loyal readers in her social media. Her exercise workouts, health and fitness tips have been featured in Oprah, Shape, Prevention, Healthline, CBC Radio, Global News Canada, The Doctors, and many more. She is married with two boys and lives in Toronto, Ontario. Amanda is an affiliated member of the Canadian and North American Menopause Society. Today is not the first meeting for Amanda and I. Way back in November of 2015, we spent several days together in Toronto at a yoga training called Yoga. And now, seven and a half years later, as I enter into my midlife lady sweats, I have become very interested in the ins and outs of health matters for women in midlife, including all of the mysteries and challenges of menopause. Menopause is an inevitable part of growing older, but most women, and often many healthcare providers, don't know enough about perimenopause and menopause. And so I've invited Amanda on the show today to share some of her midlife lady wisdom with us. Amanda, welcome to the show. 
Hey, thanks, Peggy. And good to see you. Seven and a half years. It's actually really hard to imagine it's been that long. I follow yeah, you on like Instagram. A... Oh, I want you doing you. your backflips. I'm not, I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yes, it's good to see you. And it only feels like a minute since November of 2015, but here we are. Here we are. That's social media for you, though, right? That's what right. it does. It, it brings the world closer together. So, anyway, it's good to see you. Thanks for having me on, Peggy. All right. And um, I know we're going to talk all things menopause today. I know that your experience of menopause wasn't all rainbows and sunshine, hence the title of your book, Menopocalypse. Now you refer to yourself as a menopause warrior, which I totally um, love. So why don't we start with your experiences of perimenopause and menopause? What was it like for you? When did it start? What were your symptoms? And what was it like when you were trying to get help and navigate the medical model when you were struggling? Yeah, so I'll start by saying I'm in Canada. And when all this was happening, I was in Canada. I did move away for a little bit, but the, it sort of happened. You know, I'm like you. I've been in this health and wellness space for a long time. I'm coming up to be in my third decade, right? Like we've been in this wellness space and never even talked about menopause in any respect when it comes to especially fitness, nutrition, which is sort of the, my area. And I think when I was 40, going into like what people considered to be getting older, which really isn't at all, I felt like I was a really good role model. And I've never tried to be anyone who's like sanctimonious and said, yeah, look at me, I'm great. You could be the same too. It was more that, you know, we have to change the conversation about, you know, going into our 40s. We're so capable and strong and resilient and 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 I can help you with that, right? You know, the same as you, like we have a really good ethical approach to health and wellness. And so I felt pretty damn good, maybe a little bit smug, when I was 40, feeling pretty fit and healthy. And then when I was 42, I started to feel unwell. And it sort of happened after an exercise class. I was boxing and I, I didn't feel very well for quite a few hours afterwards and thought it was a virus. Thought, thought first of all, I'd overdone it and then thought maybe it was a virus because it lasted a couple of days and then it got better and then I was fine. But then it kept happening again and it got worse. And essentially, long story short, over a period of two years, my health deteriorated. I didn't know why. It, none, of, none of it made sense to me. And so I went to the doctor in Canada, who was great. My GP was like, yeah, I can help you, but it's maybe not my speciality. I'll refer out. And I got sent around the Canadian healthcare system for two years, probably costing the taxpayer a lot of money with all of the testing I had done. Yeah, I mean, MRI scans, CAT scan, you name it, I, I've had the testing. All inconclusive, all to the point that left me lost, frustrated, depressed, ill, felt really ill. So two years into this, and then I went to a gynecologist for a, some type of a routine appointment, which obviously wasn't that routine because I'd missed a year or two. <laughs> but I went and I, and I sort of gave him the long and short of the previous two years of really not doing very well. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is just perimenopause. And I was like, what? What's and I'm not going to swear because Peggy and I have an agreement. I'm going to try and keep it clean. But I did <laughs> swear and I was like, F you. Like, I what like I'm only 44 like and, and he's like, you had any hot flashes and I was like just stop it now you're getting you're insulting me and I just sort of had this like really visceral reaction to him telling me that I was going into menopause and he kept saying the term perimenopause so now this is eight years ago and I was like 
what's perimenopause? I don't even know this word you're talking about. And it sort of sent me down the slippery rabbit hole of perimenopause. And I just was firstly relieved that what was going on was known, that there were people that could help me and that there were answers. It just as I was, I was going to the wrong people for the answers. But then I got mad. Then I was like, this is wrong. So so what you're saying to me, hang on a minute. What you're saying to me is that 100% of women, if they're lucky enough, if they live long enough, will go through this. And we're 51% of the population. And there's a massive knowledge gap with me. So therefore, with most women, with the medical community, because I've just spent two years in an abyss not being helped, even though they desperately wanted to help me, I have to say that. This is wrong. And I sort of, that sort of put me on this path that I didn't expect to be on, Peggy, where I'm just like, <laughs> menopause, menopause, menopause. We all need to talk about it. So that that's where I am. That's who I am and what I'm doing now. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, and as you said, healthcare providers, there's a knowledge gap. I went to school for 100 years to be a healthcare provider. And when we, we learned a ton about women's health, but menopause was touched on for less time than we've been talking already today. So you're absolutely right that there's a knowledge gap. And the only time it's become uh, something that I'm interested in is as I'm headed into it, which is similar to your story. So I feel like the more that we can have these conversations and let let everyone know and tell the others, hopefully this will make it so that we don't all have to suffer in silence like our mother's generation did. And you know what? I'll have to hold my hand up as well on in acknowledging that because, you know, when we met, you know, I was in Toronto and I was doing like my in-person classes and I had a lot of women used to come to me all, I would say 45 older. And sometimes they would come in and go, menopause is kicking my ass today. I don't think I can do it. And I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. And, and I wasn't dismissive, but I didn't acknowledge it. And I didn't really understand what they meant. And I'd just be, I'd give them alternatives so that they got a win. You know, I'm still a decent coach and I wanted them to be successful, but there was like almost a, a I don't even know what the word is, but I think I was a little bit like, yeah, okay, right, menopause, whatever. It was a bit of a whatever attitude. And it wasn't until it hit me with a sledgehammer that I took notice. And so I have a big apology to make to people. But I think part of that's part of the problem. And I'm interested to know what you think about this, because until it sort of hits you and you're in it and you feel it, it's not tangible. Like it wasn't tangible to me. I'm like, if you'd have told me in my 30s, I need to be prepared for menopause, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. A little bit. Well, and I think probably that's a lovely segue because most of the women that I talk to, they think of menopause as this thing that happens when you're around 50 and then all of a sudden you have no more period and maybe you have some hot flashes and that's the extent of their knowledge about what's going to happen. So you've described some of your symptoms a little bit that don't really fit that definition. And I personally have definitely already experienced some symptoms that are weird for me that I've since learned could be related to perimenopause. So maybe it would be helpful for us to tell the women, what are some of the common symptoms that show up associated with perimenopause that women should be looking out for, or at least be aware of, um, that are different than just changes in their period and hot flashes? Yeah, and that's it, right? There's this myth, the myths and misconceptions that are out there that I held, and you held probably, yeah. right? Because you don't know what you don't know is what I always think. And so, you know, so for me personally, my symptoms didn't present as something that were hormonal, right? And also my periods didn't change. And for a lot of women, the first things that happen 
have nothing to do with their menstrual cycle. And I think that's really important to acknowledge. Like we do see that maybe this menstrual cycles might shorten, but not for everyone. Um, and that does happen eventually. But if we think about it, so menopause, as you said, is this like, after 12 months, we haven't had our period. We retrospectively look back and go, all right, it's been 12 months. Therefore, I am. Woohoo, this type of thing. Typically happens around the age of 51 or, you know, a couple of years either side of it. But it's the time leading up to menopause, which is perimenopause, that seems to be the most problematic for women. And that's the thing I think we need to talk about more. And so that can start in our late 30s, any time up until we get to menopause. And for some women, that's into their 50s too. And we see estrogen and progesterone, which are the main players in this conversation, falling and declining to this very low level eventually because we're not due to reproduce anymore. That's the whole point of menopause. It's the end of our reproductive years. And so we we naturally have to lose these hormones, but they don't go out like quietly. It's like yeah, I'm going to make a kick. I'm going to kick some noise up here and I'm going to make you make you listen to me on the way out. And so we think about per, um, progesterone falling in almost like a slide, like a linear fashion, but um, estrogen sort of falls in this like roller coaster, um, fluctuating whack-a-mole type way that doesn't make a ton of sense. And so women's experience from like, if they start in their late 30s, early 40s, their symptoms might change from then right till when they get to menopause because they're going through a transition that isn't static and it's very unique to every woman. We all are going to go through it, but we sort of experience it a little bit differently. And so there are 34 acknowledged symptoms, but every woman will say, no, there's not, there's like 150 or whatever. <laughs> and so like, it doesn't, none of them make a lot of sense. And so like, for, I'll give you myself as an example. I know in the end now that my symptoms of vertigo, nausea, and actually losing feeling in like my face and one side of my body were down to migraines with aura. I also had depression. Like I've never been had depression I've been depressed of course but I've never had depression in my life I didn't even know what it felt like but I literally lost part of myself as a person and would wake up every morning going I don't think I can carry on I don't like the person I see in front of me I don't like my family I don't like my kids I don't fucking like anything you know like everything just I lost everything and incontinence joint pain, oh, you name it there were all of these things that were like that doesn't make sense. Why have I just gone for a 5k run and pissed myself everywhere when I've just had two kids and, you know, I was perfectly fine. And so it just, it, those two years for me were really stressful because I felt like after, you know, 44 years of investing a lot of time and energy and education into understanding my body, it was like, yeah, I'm not playing anymore. I don't like you. And I'm just going to do everything I can to piss you off. And it did. And, and so when you hear women talking about symptoms, like, could this be perimenopause? Well, very good chance if you're over the age of 45, that yeah, it is. That's how the doctors should look at this. And unfortunately, they don't. So yeah. That's right. Well, and for me personally, like I felt some brain fog and like, I can't remember anything like I used to. And my, my ability to manage stress has definitely decreased. So I know that these are things that estrogen used to help with. And now estrogen has gone bye-bye. And so my brain is struggling a little bit. I'm also yeah, very I interested. Sorry, go ahead. No, carry on. But we'll talk about the brain because there's some really fascinating research on that, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Sorry. 
Okay, so let's come back to the brain, but I did want to ask you, you've talked a little bit about incontinence. So I think that it would be yeah. really beneficial for you to talk about some of the genital and urinary symptoms associated with menopause and perimenopause, because I get the sense that a lot of women might be embarrassed to talk to their GP or their doctors about them because it's shrouded in shame in some way. And I really want to have conversations that help to normalize these symptoms so that every woman can feel empowered to know that they're not the only one and then they can get some relief. Yes, so estrogen is in around 200 systems in the body. Who knew? I didn't know. You probably didn't know. And even though we've got good understanding of human physiology. And um, so we estrogen is an anabolic hormone. It's a building hormone. It's a growth hormone. It's essential in our body. It crosses the blood-brain barrier. It, it is in our joints. It protects our hearts. It's And it helps to... Um, form integrity in the pelvic floor area right so it's everywhere and the minute that we start to lose estrogen it's impacted throughout the body and women you know will experience it in different ways but what seems to be the case is that almost all women will struggle with the gsm which is the genital urinary symptoms of menopause easily said it's everything below the belt so if you think about estrogen receptors being in the vulva, vagina, the labia, the clitoris, the anus, all of the all of the whole area, the skin, the collagen, everything, the muscles, estrogen plays a part in that whole area. And so what starts to happen is a lot of women will struggle with symptoms and they don't understand that it's from menopause. And at the list is endless. Things like um, dryness. Yeah, like for sure, a lot of us can recognize that painful sex, maybe the tissues are receding. Maybe you've got repeated urinary tract infections. What they're seeing now is that the pH level of the, the vulva and the vagina changes and it can make us open to having more vaginal um, infections and the and UTIs. And for women who are senior, say in the senior homes, this can be deadly for them. And then now, and the and the urologists and the sex experts out there are now saying, give these women localized estrogen cream because it actually can help them. And so, what what the experts are saying to us now is that you're not if you, you could go on hormone therapy systemically, you know, like if you take it through the, and we maybe can talk about that later, but like the things that go into our bloodstream, you know, that that can help with the GSM symptoms, but. Some women can't take hormones and will never be able to do that. So how are they going to keep on top of this? Because it's not going to get better. It's something you need to proactively look after. And it's happening to me. And I'm just like, shit, like I want to still have a healthy sex life. I want to not hurt. I want to stop peeing myself. And so a couple of recommendations to women are this. First of all, consider moisturizer. Consider a moisturizer because it's like you, we moisturize our skin. There are um, products for our vagina that are safe and not irritating that can be helpful. Consider always, in fact, every woman should get a vibrator and some lubrication. <laughs> yeah, they should. It should be a gift to us, I think so. But lubrication, every time you have sex, like let's normalize that because it can it can help restore pleasure and joy instead of you being in agony right whether that's penetrative sex or not whether that's with a man or a woman who cares like it shouldn't hurt right and then um 
if for somebody like me who struggled with both stress, incontinence, and for anyone who's not sure what that is, like think jumping on a trampoline um, or running in my case, or urinary urge incontinence, which is, which is what we've all heard at sometimes like, haven't we, Peggy, where we put the key in the door and we're like, shit, 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 I'm going to pee my pants, <laughs> um, or, or a combination of both. Well, what we know can help for that is also pelvic floor physiotherapy, like because Maybe you've got some weakness in the pelvic floor muscles that, that like help keep the integrity of the bladder in place or, you know, for me, so for an example for me, and I'm waffling a bit, but an example for me here is I literally couldn't hold my pee in at all in any circumstance. And it turned out for me that I was overdoing Kegels because we've been taught to do those wrong forever. I feel like that's how I learned by doing everything wrong. And then also my glutes were on. They were on all the time and they never turned off. Like my butt was rock hard. And essentially I couldn't contract all of my pelvic floor muscles, which included the area surrounding the bladder. And so I had to work with a physiotherapist to just let go, right? And so instead of telling women to just do more Kegels, we should be helping them understand what is happening to them individually. And then the last thing about this, the last thing I would recommend is um, talk to your healthcare provider about localized estrogen, because if even if you can't take hormone therapy, even if you're somebody that has sensitivities to it or contraindications, because it stays localized, meaning it doesn't get into the bloodstream, it can help with the integrity of that whole pelvic floor area and can be a game changer. And it's not even something that you need to do very much of. It's just that... A doctor said to me, imagine a jam donut. This is really gross, but imagine a jam donut full of jam. Well, that was what your whole vagina and vulva looked like before menopause. Now squish all of that jam out. And that's what I have, a jamless donut. And so <laughs> and so, adding the localized estrogen, it's a, estrogen is a vasodilator. Like it gets the blood flow there. So, so it can be super helpful, but you need to speak to a healthcare provider about this. There are safe options out there. And for anyone in Canada listening to this, there is a prescription guideline from the Canadian Menopause Society actually explaining this to doctors. And I can give you resources to that because it's like a game changer when you know this. Okay, amazing. So you've talked about the localized estrogen and you, you sort of alluded to hormone replacement therapy. So can yeah. you give us a little bit of a lowdown on that, who it's for, who it's not for, and then how about to go, like how to go about starting that process with talking to your doctor? So if you're somebody um, who is struggling with menopause symptoms of the vasomotor symptoms, and, and that is essentially hot flashes, cold flashes, night sweats, that lead to insomnia because the things are nearly always together and that typically leads to high stress not coping well you know there's a lot of these knock-on things um if you're struggling with the genital urinary symptoms of menopause if you're somebody who has um already been identified as having osteoporosis because estrogen is a builder of our bones um then these are indications for um hormone therapy now it's not indicated for anything else, but usually women go on it and feel benefits in so many other areas, right? So, but if you potentially are having hormone and um, menopause symptoms and you're over the age of 45, you do not need to have any blood tests. Your doctor can prescribe you hormone therapy based on your symptoms alone. Um, and if you're under the age of 45 to 40, that might 
need some blood tests to make sure it's nothing else. And if you're under the age of 40, then that's considered premature and you usually do need medical guidance. So that's a different type of conversation. And if it's surgical and if it's from cancer, that's almost treated a little bit differently. But for if you're going through the natural transition, then, you know, you can get hormone therapy as an option now that that it's considered to be one of the first options that women should be offered. Um, but not every woman can take it. And so there are alternative pharmaceutical options um, for those women that can't. And so an example of that might be if you have had cancer or you've got other contraindications to take in hormones, there are things like antidepressants, anti-seizure medication that when prescribed at a very low level can help with hot flashes, insomnia, et cetera. And then there's people like me who really wanted to try hormone therapy because I was in a bad way and actually had a terrible sensitivity to it and it made things worse. And so that there's a whole gamut of women out there, but there are a whole gamut of treatment options too. And so um, I would just say that be your own advocate, get this downloadable um, pocket guide, which is really a great resource, and then try and identify like where you fit in the picture and have a conversation with your doctor. And like, that's the hard bit, usually going to the doctor and going, I think I'm in menopause. This is what they recommend as, um, as medication. Am I okay to take this? You know. Okay. And that can be a conversation you have with your general practitioner. You don't need a referral to a gynecologist. Unfortunately, though, the um, yes, of course it is. But unfortunately, the menopause isn't in the medical curriculum. It's shocking, Peggy, right? So yeah. um, only 20% of OBGYN courses have menopause within the curriculum. And then it's an opt-in course. And like you said, it's like hours, it's not weeks or months. And then in addition to that, I don't think GPs get anything. Um, but then, you know, like they are general practitioners and 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 some GPs are just ahead of the game in this um one of the good ways to find someone is to go to um menopause.org which is the north american menopause society they have a list of all of their um accredited providers and there is quite a few in in canada but um sometimes you have to go in as a prepared patient and not an unprepared patient it's frustrating i understand yeah um in your book, you talk about the four hacks of surviving menopause that women can practice to weather the menopause storm. I, I would love it if you could share what those four hacks are and then give us a, you know, a truth bomb or a strategy associated with each of them that women can implement starting right now, especially if they're in the menopause storm right now. Well, this is sort of you and I. This is where, where our work is, right? These are the, the things we live by. And I know that when I was going through peri perimenopause, the idea of somebody saying, do this, do this, do that was like a big, like, yeah, get lost. I can barely <laughs> get off the sofa. Stop telling me what to do. Right. And it felt these things that I'm going to talk about felt really incidental and not important because I wasn't thriving and I actually couldn't move or anything. Right. But if you look at menopause through the lens of only the symptoms and if you look at menopause only through the lens of potentially hormone therapy then you're missing out on the whole health component of aging and thriving through menopause and so how I like to I, I did call them hacks in my book and sort of now I wish I hadn't the book's three years old and now I'm like hacks has been like co-opted as being a biohack and oh and so now you know we all have regrets but part of the thing is that 
this is the science as we know it. We know that movement is important and imperative for our overall health, specifically different types of movement like strength training. We know how important that is for building bone strength, building and maintaining our muscle. You, is this what you do every day? You're telling people we have to stay strong because it's the key to reducing disease as we get older. It's the key to improving our longevity. Um, and so for me, like the first, the first hack is how to move. Move, move, move more than you can. I'm pretty much full-time doing my work right now and I fit in my workouts every day, but otherwise I'm pretty sedentary and I've realized that that's not good enough. So I've started, oh, I hate it, but I've started getting up early and going for like a little walk just so I'm getting more movement in. And I think people underestimate the power of walking, like how important it is for our mental health, our emotional health, just being in nature, even in Canada, I know. There's no good such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing, as my mum would say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but then, so looking for daily movement and looking for um, introducing strength training. Um, and we also strength training has been shown to help with some symptoms, like especially the vasomotor symptoms. It can reduce them by about 50%. And um, there's an entry point for everyone when it comes to strength training. And it can look different on every single day. So if you feel like a dirty dish rag and you can't get off the sofa then you're probably not going to do a workout that day but hey consider going outside for 10 minutes and just giving yourself a little win you know like it can look different but it doing something compounds and it grows and it becomes routine and it matters and so I always say to women look for the little wins every day it doesn't matter how big or small that win is consider consider it that way so that's okay. the first one that's the first one. And then one of them is how you eat. So yeah. you have like something that we can just sort of have a quick takeaway in terms of food, because that's like a whole other subject matter. But it's uh, like yeah, we the, could be, the thing. Yeah, the thing There's like, there's topics and topics out there. First of all, I want women to know there's no such thing as a menopause diet. I don't care how many people times people are telling you they've cracked the code on menopause. That's inaccurate, right? But some things happen to us from a metabolic standpoint that we need to take into account. Um, our metabolism per se doesn't change that much. There's a huge study out there that shows that it doesn't really change until we're in our 60s. And then it only drops by like 0.7%. So our metabolism as such doesn't change, but the way we process protein does. And our protein needs increase as we get older. And especially if you're someone that wants to strength train, you need to feed the process that gets the food to the muscles to grow, build and maintain those muscles. And so, first of all, look for protein. Try and get, if you can, 100 grams of protein a day. That That's like a sort of okay target to look for. Helps keep you full. It stops your sugar dips. It's like such a good thing to focus on. And that's not a, a massive amount of protein. And then maybe look for an abundance of vegetables. We need it for our micronutrients. We need it for all of the um, fiber that it contains and water and all of, all of the goodness that, and you know, we all need to poop. We need to keep our cholesterol level down. And, and then lastly, like keep your treats to just being treats, you know, like, uh, and that includes alcohol because it's almost like our body just needs a bit of a break from the indulgences that we could maybe do more so when we were younger. And I don't think omitting anything is ever helpful, but I do think being a bit more mindful and reducing them to just being occasional and not all the time. 
Okay. Love this. And the yeah. third one is, yes, I'm on a protein journey. So I totally appreciate that. And Me this is too. What Continually have to look at it though. Like, cause I know it's not easy. Like it's like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is what I've been sharing with all of the women who are my age clients and patients. So I, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Um, yeah. How to de-stress or as in your book, you said, calm the F down and get calm some sleep. Calm the F down. Yeah, yeah. And get some sleep. And I do. And really, when we talk about the, the tenets of health, there's five. But I amalgamate sleep and stress because to me, um, I didn't need to dig too deep into this. But I wanted women to know that if you don't sleep, your stress response is going to change. And if you've got a poor stress response, it's going to impact your sleep. It sort of is connected, right? And I don't think people put enough emphasis on how important this is. Um, and one of the things I wanted to sort of say but, uh, just about the brain very, very quickly is our brain actually um, – changes structure and shape during perimenopause as in like when we know we're not going to be reproducing anymore our brain sort of shuts off some areas but in post-menopause in the three to five years post-menopause our brain starts to adapt and rebound and sort of calm down again so most women find that post-menopause a lot of the stresses that they feel aren't there so much, which is a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. But when we know that the impact of estrogen has on cortisol, on, on our brain fog, on our ability to remember things, our mood, how we react, these are all in the brain center, right? And so first thing I would say to women is give yourself a bit of a break because shit's happening and potentially you can't do a ton about it. Like it's got to happen. You've got to go through this um, transition. So maybe hormone therapy is for you. That can be somewhat helpful, but maybe consider doing things like making sure you do this daily walk. Like I'm trying to always do. I mean, honestly, let's be human about this. We're, we're all rubbish at sticking to things, but we try. So at least try fit that daily walking because we know how it helps our brain from an endorphin level, from a calming level, from our eliciting our parasympathetic nervous system this is what peggy and i talk about a lot like we need to find calmness and when you're highly stressed all the time and you're sort of stressed bucket if you imagine a bucket that's got like aging parents kids that are pissing us off and like too much work and 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 then by the time we have like this bucket that's nearly full and all of a sudden we add in menopause symptoms and then we add in not sleeping and we add in how we're reacting to things our stress bucket can overflow so we need to find a way to practically address that and that might be unburdening some of those things that are filling your stress bucket up that might be going for a walk to just find calmness to put yourself first sometimes instead of continually saying but I gotta look after the kids and I gotta look after my parents well you know how about you look after yourself how about you say you know what I'm going to do me because when I do me first, everybody else benefits. And that's really hard for women to do. And so that, again, is a whole other topic on its own. But it's something that I think we just need to pay attention to, Peggy. Well, yeah. And I've heard you say before that when um, women take care of themselves, then everyone around them benefits. And that's kind of counterintuitive to a lot of women. They're, they're used to taking right? care of everyone else first and leaving themselves to the last. But that's really important for women to hear, like, take care of you first, and then everybody gets something good from you. Yeah, in the book, I, I, I refer to this, I think I call it when midlife and menopause collide. Um, and there's a study that shows that 
our oxytocin, uh, was it like the love hormone um, that starts to decline a little bit too, actually helps us because, you know, our kids are going to leave us and we need to sort of create these natural like barriers, even though it breaks our heart or whatever. Um, but also it helps us to understand we can move from the we to me philosophy and that's not selfish, it's self-preservation, right? And and you know what the funny thing about this is, Peggy, is that the minute I started to, like, well, I read about it and then I started to try and implement it and it's that's where the hard work comes in, not showing up to work out every day, but to actually remember to put yourself first and to have these positive thoughts. <laughs> I remember getting up like a little bit early and I was in Texas at the time and I was grabbing a cup of coffee and I was sat outside listening to the birds and just feeling really present, which is essentially what we're trying to find. And then getting up in the morning and 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 nobody looked at me and went, you selfish cow, I can't believe you did that and didn't make our <laughs> breakfast. They were just like, yeah, mom sat outside having a coffee. And, and that's the point. We put these barriers on ourselves, not other people. That's right. Oh my goodness. So good. And your fourth hack of sorts is how you think. And I'm very interested in this one because I spent a lot of time with my clients discussing the concept that your thoughts are very important in the creation of any result that you want. So how can we use the power of our thoughts during and around menopause to help us get through it? It's funny because I called that chapter shift happens and I thought that was really funny. <laughs> you know, like, but shift does happen, right? And it's like, Long story short, how can we go through this change? Menopause, trans the menopause transition from perimenopause to postmenopause is a change. And we have to work with it because the minute we fight it all the time, it backfires. We can't. We actually have to appreciate that our body's smart. Our body's meant to go through things. We don't particularly have to suffer because there's ways to sort of like counteract that. But this is a process that we need to sort of embrace because it's how we thrive, right? So we know that there's approximately 33.3 years ahead of us after menopause. That's how long we spend in post-menopause. Menopause just doesn't come and go. You're then sort of looking at the third of your life with this low level of menopausal um, hormones, a different landscape, and how we respond to things has changed, how we approach things changed and so when I wrote this chapter I actually wrote it with a really good friend of mine who is a psychologist because this is outside of my wheelhouse I had to do research on this and reach out to the experts and essentially it's the idea of creating a resilient mindset and all that means is like in layman's terms and I'm probably butchering this right but all that means is that you look at yourself in the present you don't focus on the future and get anxious about it you don't dwell on what you were it's like where am I right now and I and learn to really appreciate yourself if those negative thoughts continually come up ask what's different now and what you can change about it instead of saying I hate myself I don't I've been there too by the way I hate myself and I don't want to live the rest of my life like this, then let's look to how you can actively change that. And there are some psychological tools you can use to help you understand how to be, so it's a bit wanky to say this, but the best version of yourself. And that's things like focusing on your strengths, what actually drive you as a person, what's the reason that, you know, make you, you. And this is like a process you can do. And, and I have these in the book, these websites. 
And another another thing is focusing on your values. So what what makes you the person you are, Peggy? Like, is it family? Is it like kindness? Is it caring? Is it career? There's different ones. And and again, this is a psychological tool you can do yourself, and it sort of highlights based on your answers what drive you and and for me when I did these things and then I continually kept bringing things back to the present going well what can I do about it right now it made my answers and my vision super clear because essentially it was like well I don't want to do that because it doesn't fit my values and it's an easy no for me or if I do this it really plays to my strengths and I know it's something that will make me feel better about myself and it's that type of that type of power that can sort of set you on the right path. And and I'm going to finish this because it was a bit waffly that I am now four years post-menopause. I went through menopause at 48 and I'm 52 now. And I am in the calmest place I've ever been. I'm in the most certain place I've ever been. And I feel like I have complete clarity about what my life can look like. And four years ago, Five years ago, I never ever felt like I could feel like that because I just was in this abyss of pain. And and that's what I'm hearing from other women too. Amazing. It's good to hear messages from the other side, Amanda. I'm so glad. See you on the other, see you on the other side, Peggy. <laughs> I love it. Um uh, I have one more question for you. In the intro to today's show, I shared your bio, and one of the bits that's in there is that you're the co-founder and chief wellness and branding officer at Naya Health, a complete healthcare solution for menopausal women in Canada, launching in late 2023. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Because I'm very curious. Oh my God, I'm so excited, so excited. So I've wondered how I can take my work and use it for the most positive, because for the essentially for the most part, I wrote a book and I do podcasts and I do speaking engagements, but I'm like, how can I actually help women? And one of the biggest things that I hear from women are, I can't get to see someone who can help me. I really want access to a medical professional that can help me. And, and then people keep saying, go strength training and do this and do mindfulness. But I, where do I go? Like, how do I do that? And so I had conversations and there's four of us, right? There's four of us in the in this team and we've called it Naya Health. And it is essentially for Canada in one component, but otherwise it's like a globe, a global solution. And essentially it's this, it's like a website where or an app where a woman can go from wherever she is globally to go, what the Oh, I'm not honest with you. What is menopause? See, I'm so good. I'm so proud of myself then being in the moment. What's menopause? Like, what does it mean? What does it look like for me? Like, actually, personally, specifically to me, not just generalized topics, but what does it look like to me? Can I get like a report that I can print out and take to my doctor? What are some resources that are super helpful that can help me prepare for my appointment with the doctor? Like, so these are tangible tools that women can use. And Although we're launching in Canada, to me, menopause is treated the same globally. So that can help everyone. The second part of it is a membership site. So this is sort of my wheelhouse. That's like a digital wellness where we've got expert coaches. I have um, 10 menopausal women who are experts in their field of strength training, Pilates, yoga, mindfulness, walking, running, nutrition, you name it. We're all in there and we're going to do a monthly it's like Peloton for menopause, essentially. So every Amazing. month you get new programs, guest speakers, a massive community where you can speak to other women and you feel seen, right? Because I think that's one of the problems. Like menopausal women feel like they need to be seen because we've been pushed aside and we feel invisible for so long. And so the coaches that are working with me on this have a shared vision. We're like sick of it. 
And then the last part of it is access to the medical community. And this actually is only in Canada because it's diff there's different regulations and rules everywhere, but we hope to sort of roll it out more, um, um, internationally as it goes. But essentially, women can have access to um, a healthcare professional that is not a doctor. This might be a pharmacist. This might be a nurse practitioner. This is someone that is trained in menopause care because they are. There's the North American Menopause Society do training that are trained by Naya Health as in this is how women deserve to be coached and spoke to. And this practitioner will look at a woman's health in a 360 um, being. What are your health risks? What type of exercises are you doing? What's your food like? Do you need to go and get a pap smear? Like, do you have any family history? Everything. Like, there's not a stone that goes unturned. And at the end of it, the woman might potentially get just advice or access to the programs that we've got and the learning modules, because we have those too. Or maybe she gets a prescription because that's the most appropriate thing for her. Or maybe this is a complex case and we refer this to our doctor network that really have got this massive bottleneck, Peggy. There's only 90,000 doctors and only a fraction of them know about menopause. We're going to take that small number and relieve that bottleneck and just get the complex cases to them. And we'll deal with the everyday woman that just like, listen to me, hear me. And so, so essentially, that's what we're working with. And then the last part of it is we have a massive research leg behind it. Like we're going to be working to push the agenda of menopause in research. And so it's super exciting, but it's a lot of, lot of work. So we're hoping to have that launched by the end of the year. Oh my goodness. I love it so much. Congratulations on such an amazing endeavor. It's going to help so many people. I'm excited well, about that. Amazing. It started, off, it started off as like, wouldn't this be nice to all be in this very big real thing? And I'm just like, oh my goodness. But anyway, it, we can do it and we want to do it. And it's, it's a, there's a gap and we need to fill it. Right. So Fantastic. that's what we're working on. So thank you for letting me talk about that, Peggy. All right. And you have a gift for my listeners that is a list of resources all about menopause. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, what's included and how we can find it? Yeah. So um, it is just actually, they can either go to my website, which is amandatheeb.com um, and go to menopause resources there and everything's there. But if you want to download it, you can you go to amandatheeb um, and then forward slash menor hyphen resource. And essentially, it's just every single resource that would be helpful to you, whether that's what should I take hormones or not? Where's how do I find a practitioner? You know, what's the prescribing guidelines? And I've tried to keep it global. It's not just for Canada. So um, and usually there's something in there that can be really helpful. Um, and then eventually all that will move over to the Naya website where we can have we ideally would love Naya Health to be. Canada's go-to menopause resource like so everything should be there I don't want women scratching the head Peggy like we did where we're like is this what is it I don't know what's going on like it, we've got us that's the type of thing we need to stop amazing all right and where can people find out more about you how about how to buy your book and maybe even just say hello online yeah go to amandatheeb.com like that's on my website there but then it all paths lead to me you know like so I'm probably most active on Instagram and I'm going to apologize now you know it's my little playground and I am what I am <laughs> no need to apologize you do you I love it I do and I'm a little bit irreverent Frank but I'm, I think that it all comes from a place of kindness and I just want women to be educated and empowered and it's always from that place that you know my message comes from 
Oh my goodness. I love it so much. Amanda, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and all of your menopause wisdom. Thanks, Peggy. And good luck with your gymnastics. It's mad. I sort of want to do it too, but I just don't think I can. I just don't think I'm brave enough. But, you know, maybe that's what I need to do then. I need to overcome that, right? So, All right. Let's get after it. We'll do it together. <laughs> we'll do it together. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. And that's it for this episode of the Midlife Improvement Project. Thank you so much to my guest, Amanda Thebe, for sharing her story and her menopause wisdom. Remember that even if you are currently in the depths of menno hell, you can make your way to the other side of this menopocalypse and learn to thrive in midlife and beyond. If you get the feeling that I might be your coach and you are interested in learning more about me and my work and perhaps how we could work together, especially as you navigate the challenges and adventures of midlife, come visit me at drpeggymalone.com forward slash coach and sign up for a free 60 minute consult where we can help you to get clear on where you are, where you want to go and how to get you there. Also, I'd love it if you could come and hang out with me on Instagram. You can find me there at Dr. Peggy Malone. As usual, you will find all of the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's show and you don't want to ever miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen. If you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review to let me know what you think of the show and to help others to find the Midlife Improvement Project. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it.